the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, Pro Football Hall of Famer Brian Erlacher tells us why he wanted to visit the southern border. He's next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. Welcome to Sanistan. We're going to name this little place that we live here on Sideline Sanity, Sanistan. We try to keep things sane here. Today's episode is important because people are conflating between illegal immigration and illegal immigrants, thinking that people who are against illegal immigration also are against the people who are coming here illegally. That's not fair. And that's not true in most cases. Many of us are all about immigration. If it weren't for legal immigration, I wouldn't be living here. And my dad always told me that this is the greatest country in the world. You should, you are lucky you are here. And yes, I am. It's that he came here and his family came here legally. And that is a process which we should cherish in the United States of America. So the people who are crossing illegally, we don't have anything against them. They want to come here. But what about all the people who have come here legally, have waited in line, have taken their test, have done their processing, and have become American citizens because they really wanted to be here? What about the people who have been deported after years of being here under a legal visa, but that visa expires, now they have to leave? What are they thinking as they watch this mass of humanity coming across unencumbered without having to face any process. Well, it's a very limited process. It's a very limited process. And for all of the gotaways, there is no process. And as such, illegal drugs are making their way here. And services are diminishing for people who are taxpaying citizens of their communities. And it seems like people are turning a blind eye to this, accepting this as something that it just is. And I, I like fairness, and I don't think this is fair. So we're welcoming Brian Erlacher, a pro football Hall of Famer, who took a visit to one sector of the southern border. He's going to tell us about the experiences, again, the hypocrisy of saying that it's inhumane to transport these migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. What about the inhumanity of what these people go through trying to cross the border in the first place? And this White House is inviting it. 
So it may be surprising to some people to see Brian Erlacher on the podcast. It's uh, it's going to be a really interesting conversation. He is a pro football Hall of Famer, eight-time pro bowler, college football Hall of Famer. The list goes on and on and on. How are you, and what did you think of your Bears yesterday? I am doing great. Um, I was it's, – it's been up and down. You know, I, you get so high after week one, and then you, your expectations go up there for week two. But it, it is, it's Lambeau. It's Aaron Rodgers, you know um, – and week one was tough because of the weather in Chicago. So you didn't know what to expect. It was brutal. This week. It was terrible. I was actually there that day. I, I, luckily, I got out of town. But, um, yeah, you just – I don't know. I'm, you know, new coaches, I'm still kind of feeling out your team. But I, I thought they played hard on defense and they ran the ball great. So those are things to build on. Absolutely. There's some hope there in Chicago. And it's interesting always to talk to a guy who's not been in the league for a while yeah. after your 13 seasons, all with Chicago, which is also unusual to spend an entire career with the same team. But you stay such a fan of your team. What is that connection like, Brian? Well, you know, to play with the same team, it's hard to do. You know, like you said, it's hard to do these days. I'm, that's one of the things I'm most proud of when I retired was that I stayed with the same team my whole career. I I got to kind of stop. I did grow up a Dallas Cowboys fan, so I do root for the Cowboys as well. But oh, I do. Okay. We, right, don't get as many ba- we don't get as many Bears games here in Arizona. I don't have any of the ticket or nothing like that because I don't watch. You know, we're not going to sit around on a Sunday and be like, okay, the Bears game starts at 10 or 11. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> if it's on, like last night it was nice because it was on national TV, but we don't really – Search for the games. If they're on TV, we'll watch them. But if not, we kind of – we don't watch. But obviously, I try and pay attention to what's going on there because I did play there for so yeah. long. Yeah, you are definitely part of the Chicago Bear legacy and, and the NFL 2000s all-decade team. I mean, there's just – like I said, it could go on and on. You live in Arizona now, and so I'll ask you this question. How close to the border are you? So we are about three hours from the Yuma border. I'm not sure. There's a couple other entry spots around Arizona, but uh, we're three hours from Yuma, uh, which is the place I went last week. Let's get into that. Brian took a trip with some others down to Yuma, down to the border area. And what was your, why did you decide to make this trip, Brian? So Sonia, your friend Sonia reached out to me uh, on Instagram. And she was like, hey, we're going to take a trip to the border. And I've been watching this go on at the border for, you know, probably over a year now, but you don't really know what's really going on until you go down there. And I want, and the thing I wanted to do was I wanted to meet the border patrol agents. I wanted to get a chance to hang out and talk to them. Apologies. Landry, relax, buddy. Sorry. Landry. All right. That's Land- okay. Uh, we got a few dogs. So guy, guy quit. Okay. He's barking. At, he's barking at the bush. He's so tough. Um, I got, I got the same thing here. Uh, it's, it's unreal. Uh, I can't lock him up. I feel bad for him. Anyway. So we, uh, I just thought, it, it's it's always such, at the worst times, isn't it? <laughs> they're such jerks. I don't get, like they've been sitting here being good the last twenty minutes. Also, yeah, he's barking at a tree. Anyway, they're outside so you now. wanted to meet the border patrol agents. That why was that important to you? Because I, I've heard stories of what really goes on down there, and I wanted to see what they were going through on a daily basis and what they're dealing with, what they're encountering. It's amazing. They're not just border patrol agents. They're, I mean. They're caretakers. I mean, they're, these people come across the border. They're dehydrated. Some of them have, have endured, you know, been raped on their side of the border. These little kids come across, so they're caretakers. They're trying to get these kids to, to safety. It's just, it's really a bad, uh, a bad situation. It's, it's a humanitarian crisis is what it is. It's so sad to see. And to hear some of the stories from these, these men and women agents um, was really sad and eye-opening. Before you got there, 
what did you expect? What what were you preparing yourself for in terms yeah. of what you might see? I honestly didn't know. I, I thought maybe you know we'd be able. I, I got to do a lot more than I thought I'd be able to do. By the way, Chief Clem was amazing. We got to ride on a boat up and down the Colorado River. We saw actually saw people crossing. It was amazing. I didn't expect to see that because it's, it's plain daylight and they're crossing. There's four 18 to 25 year old Venezuelan men crossing in the, in a, at 1130 in the morning. And Chief Clem said we missed the big crossing that was about 530 to eight o'clock. There was 600 people come across the border. Um, in two and a half hours at just Yuma, just Yuma, just that one little area. Um, but I, I didn't know what to expect. I was hoping to meet a bunch of the agents and get a chance to spend some time with them, which I did get to do. It was awesome. But to see, uh, we also got to go see the, um, where they house the, the migrants when they come across. It was just very, very sad. And, and like, I, I just, it, it was eye opening is what it was. And so eye opening and sad. Yeah. What, let's talk about these border patrol agents and, and it's, it's gotta be sad for them too. They're dealing with all this humanity. They're in many cases, they are being called out as, yeah. you know, they're just trying to do their job, but their job has been stretched so thin. So what, what do they go through on a daily basis? So they make them out to be villains, right? That, that's what you've seen on, on some of these news stations. I don't really watch them anymore, but to, to, they uh, they go to they're trying to protect our, our border right they're trying to protect us as American citizens from people coming in illegally and now they're just letting them in that they unless the border just the, the policies that are in play are letting these people come in here illegally you know um, Chief Fim said the people will fly from Venezuela Guatemala to Mexico City and then jump on a plane to Mexicali and they'll get dropped off a hundred yards from the border and walk across the border. That's how easy it is. That's not a story for everyone, but the ones who can afford it do that. They pay the cartels to do all that and traffic them right through. There are some that walk across the desert to get across, and those are the sad stories that you're going to hear about. But these agents, they can't do their jobs, so they have to process every migrant that comes across the border. You know, it takes, I don't know, we saw those the, the people that were trying to cross. We saw them standing there for 45 minutes talking to the agents. That takes the agents out of the field. They can't do their jobs, which, right? I mean, so realistically, even if the wall was built all the way down the border, it wouldn't matter because they're, they're letting the administration is letting them across the border. There's nothing we can do to turn them away. So all it would do was stop probably the, the amount of getaways down there. That's all it would do. It would it would it would make it less places to cross and the getaway number would be smaller, but they still come across the, uh, illegally. It wouldn't in your in your estimation. I'm curious about that, because the whole idea behind a wall was to put a barrier up so that would discourage and and shrink like you said the space for gotaways mm -hmm. but you're saying that because of the policies that are in place even if there were a barrier up there would be spots within that barrier for all these people to come through and they'd have to come through yeah well there's still so the, the i did see the wall the walls it looks like it belongs there it's amazing you can see through it to the other side there's little gaps um it's really Really, a, I mean, I was shocked to see, like, that's the wall. I mean, it looks like it belongs there. But, yeah, even if the wall had been finished where it was supposed to go, and it's funny because you go down there and you see all of the um, materials needed to finish the wall are just laying there. They're just there uh, waiting to be finished. But, and I have said that, there's still, with the policy that's in play with this administration, doesn't matter. They can come across anywhere, so they'll just find you know, the, the places where they can get across where the wall can't, like the water or whatever, which puts them in danger because the water is that, that river is rolling. You know, I, I 
we were out there on, on the boats and that river's rolling. It puts them in dangerous canals. You can jump over as well. If you can swim. And, you know, there's stories of the, the mothers and fathers swimming across, holding their babies out of the water. I just, and there's the border patrols rest, jumping in the water, rescuing these people. Um, they, they showed me some video of, of what really goes on. It's just, it's sad, but yeah, the, the wall would definitely help because it would limit the number of gotaways, but the people would still come across because of the policy that is in place with this administration. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. All right, I want to talk more about that, that river and what you experienced on it, and also what you saw in some of these housing situations. More with Brian Erlacher in just a second. It's going to be a cold winter, and hopefully you're going to be able to pay for the heat in your house. That's just one of many concerns we all have as inflation continues to just sit at an unacceptably high rate, a rate that's affecting all of us. So you've got your short-term problems like grocery prices and gas prices, and then you've got your long-term investment issues to think about. Well, good long play is gold. And the only company I trust when investing in gold and silver is Legacy Precious Metals. You need to check them out. They can tell you all about your options for investing in your 401k, your IRA, it's the time to do this. Remember 2008? People who invested in gold saw huge gains while others simply lost their retirements. Now, you want to hedge against that. You want to hedge against inflation. You want to protect against a weakening dollar. And Legacy Precious Metals can help you get there. So again, LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. And let me give you the phone number. You can call and speak to an IRA expert directly. Just ask them all your questions. 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903 or LegacyPMInvestments.com. Okay, Brian, you mentioned being out on that river. You said it is, it's rolling. It's mm-hmm. not a creek. Mm-hmm. It's a river. What what does it take for these people to get across it? How dangerous is that? It's probably, I'm trying to think how wide it is, probably 100 yards wide, probably length of the football field wide. So it's wide. pretty, pretty wow. wide, maybe 80, 80 to 100 yards. It's pretty wide. And the current, I mean, there's, there's some rapids up, up river a little bit. We went out there and looked down. It's rolling pretty good. I don't know the speed, whatever. Like, but it drops off. The problem is it looks shallow. And there's some spots that go to 18 feet, 20 feet deeper. It, it's just it's not safe. You know, you, you, if you're a good swimmer, you can probably make it. But if you're carrying your child or carrying your, all your belongings, it's going to be hard for you to make it. So there's a lot of times like like you hear these stories about people drowning or they find their bodies two or three days later. Uh, it happens more often than I think we hear about f- from the news. But 
It's uh, and, and also, like you said, there's a dam where the, the river ends and the one side is the United States, the other side is Mexico. And then on the Mexican side of the dam, you see the little, the housing places where they house the, um, the migrants before they'll come across. They can go in there and they got the lookouts. You know, we saw some lookouts when we were in the boats going up and down the river. It's just, it's an eerie feeling knowing that people are watching you, watching everything you do and how, how easy it would be to get picked off by one of those guys. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it if it comes from who, that side. Who are in the lookouts? Are we talking about drug cartels? We don't, I'm assuming that's who's over there. The car, well, is, is it really drug cartels? Now it's smuggling cartels because they're smuggling well, people across the border. You know, they're getting paid five to fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Some of them are a person to go to come across to get them to the border and across the border. So I mean, they're probably making more money with that. I'm not, I, I shouldn't say more. Quite a bit of money with that than uh, the as, as opposed to the drugs. But yeah, it's just. It was nuts to see all the little cutouts in the dirt. They dug, dug, dug them down the ground. And, and and you literally stand on, you can see at the dam, you can reach across and you can see the people right there waiting to cross or just hanging out. in the, in the And the reeds on the river, they're 10 feet tall. So if they're hiding in the reeds, you're not going to find them. And there's passageways that goes through there. It's just what they've done to conceal themselves is, is pretty amazing. And you talked about the shelters on the U.S. side of the border where these people are kept. Is it a matter of they walk across, they get processed and go right to the shelter? Were you able to discern exactly what that is, what that kind of procedure is like? Yeah, I did see, I did, was able to see that, Michelle. So what it is, it's this, it's the cages that the Obama Biden administration built back when Obama was in, um, uh, office. So they built those cages back then. They wanted to be called someone else's cages, but they were, I found out when I was down at the border, they were constructed during the uh, Obama Biden administration. So once they get processed, they go into these buildings and it's just like a big tent. It's a huge tent, honestly. Like we kept walking. There was just row after row of, of the cages. They're not really cages, but they are. Um, and you have the mothers and the children and some, they separate, try and separate the, the single men, like the 18 to 25 year old men you always hear about crossing. And that's what the most of them are. You know, you see a, there's a huge holding cell of two or 300 and there was 1800 migrants in this facility when I was there. 1800. 1800. Just, just, just at Yuma waiting to be processed and released to go to their uh, court dates. So they come back and, uh, you know, figure out what's going to happen with them. But, uh, the mothers and the children are pretty much all kept together. Um, but they do separate the men. Like I said, there was a ton of uh, single adult-aged males, you know, by themselves in there. And that's what we saw crossing that day as well with, with the males. But, you know, these, these countries are sending you – know, you got Venezuela releasing people from prison and sending them to our border because they know we'll let them in. They're, they're letting people out of prison just so they can get rid of them, and they know that they, have, they can come across our border with no problem. I saw an article today talking about that, but – um, it, it was crazy to go in there and here, and the, the manpower it takes to run that facility. I mean, if the agents aren't doing it, they have to have volunteers come in and do that because the agents don't have time to go in there and run, you know, get food to those people, process them, uh, find them a place. It's just another story. So there, there's being babies handed down, set on the ground over the, over the wall with pieces of paper pinned to them with an address or a phone number, call this number or send me this address. And they have to follow up with all that information and try and get the child to where, you know, hopefully it's not a trafficker. It's a, hopefully it's a family member where they're trying to deliver this child to, but they, they assign someone to that, to that child and try and get them to that address for that person. Which is an amazing responsibility to give anyone. Yeah. Just here's a child, here's an address, go make this happen. Yeah. And you're, you're not really sure uh, you're caring for the child on the one hand, which is a massive responsibility and then trying to, to do this. 
What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. You mentioned Venezuelans being let out of prison and then sent here. Um, I, I'm wondering then when they go through processing, there has to be some record, doesn't there, of of this I person's criminal background? Yeah, if it happened in the United States, there's definitely a criminal record. If it's and, and I think that when they once they release them, I'm not sure how easy it, is. it has to be like Interpol or something like that. They, they can find their record from wherever they came from, but they still have to let them in. They're still being processed and put into the holding cells, and then they'll be released for their court date. So unless it's a, uh, from what I understood, or maybe I heard it wrong, but unless it's a crazy, like a record in the United States, they may not know much about these people that are coming over, unless they have a record here. So we, yeah, we need to remember that these, that they're doing their best down there, and that we have heard of criminals being apprehended and sent back. Mm-hmm. But it's, again, the distraction, the amount of time it takes to process every individual. And then you're thinking, okay, so now where are the cartels bringing the smuggling the drugs through? And that's a whole nother. Yes. What did you learn about the, the, the drug smuggling? We didn't even talk about the drugs, honestly. I mean, that's just, I think that's just going to happen. You know, they, they try and get what they can, obviously. But the, the human part of it is what they're trying to stop right now. Not, not stop, I guess, but trying to, like, Corral, maybe. I don't even know the right word to use for it, Michelle, because it's such a, I mean, I, I spoke to Chief Clem. He needs the chief down at um, Yuma. I spoke to him yesterday, and there were 750 crossings yesterday before noon at, at Yuma. They're going to go over 300 crossings this, or, or so they call them arrests, in Yuma this week for this year. In 2020, there was 8,800 for the whole year. 8,800 in, in, in Yuma. You, just, but you, just said, Yuma. you said 300. You meant 300,000? 300,000, I'm sorry, yes, 300,000 for the whole, are, they're going to pass 300,000 this week, uh, crossings at the Yuma sector just this year. And in, in 2020, there was 8,800 total. 8,800. And now it's 300,000. To this point. So this year, there could be up to 400,000 when it's over. I mean, that, that increase is staggering. Yep. Um, and so what, what do, what does Border Patrol tell you about what they need what the what 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 they want what they hope what the, it, it, could you get a sense of how they're holding up you know what mentally i feel like they're really strained you know to, to see what the, i mean the, the stories they told me were gruesome and i saw some pictures of they find bodies in the desert they find bodies in the river i mean just and the children it's just to hear some of the stories of what they see and what they this is every day for them they encounter this every single day of the last year and a half they, it's been every day they, they find these things, and it's been obviously more the last, you know, year or so, but just the mental strain and like, you know, to, to not take that home with you, like it's literally PTSD. You know, they have to, they're, they're having to find ways 
for these men and women to get counseling or find ways to deal with these things that they're seeing and having to deal with every day. The humanitarian part of this is, is just really sad for, for them to go through because, you know, I'm sure when they signed to be board portrayed, it wasn't quite what they thought they'd be getting. I would imagine, I, you know, this, this influx and the reason I want to bring it to people's attention is because it doesn't seem like, I don't know, the LA times, the New York post, the Mm -hmm. Washington post, many of our major networks are covering this as a story. And yet, as you describe it, and as I've seen in many other descriptions, it is a humanitarian crisis. People are actually dead down there. There are people dying trying to cross and we're looking the other way. And I, I it just, it, it's astonishing to me. So you, you didn't know what to expect. Now you've been there, you spent time, you, you talked to border patrol, you saw the facilities, you saw mm-hmm. the people. What is your lasting recollection? What did, what did this do for you or to you? Well, I'm going to go back. I'm going to, so just, to, to try and help, like, I, the morale of the Border Patrol agents is so low because of the, the way they're depicted, I think, in the media. Some, some media depict them as, as bad guys. You, they show them doing things that they aren't really doing. You know, that, that, they, they switch it around to try and make it like they're, they're, they're bad guys. They're not bad guys. They're not bad women. They're trying to do their job the best they can, but the morale is really low at some of these places because they think people don't like them. They think that they're not doing the job that, that they're supposed to be doing. So, um, to see, like, I, I was down there with Nick Lowry. Nick, Nick punted, or I'm sorry, it was a kicker for the Chiefs for like 18, 19 years. He was down there. He's yeah. a fun guy to be around. And just see, like Chief Clem was like, it really helped our guys. It motivated them. It helped them. It, it, morale went up a little bit. Just if we can help out a little bit um, and even just, you know, get some eyes open to what's really going on. Because like you said, you're not seeing it reported. There's a few stations that will cover it, but not to the extent that it should be covered. Um, you know, and but the border is closed. You know, our border, our southern border is closed, right? That's what, that's what that's we're told. Like, that's like every, every time I hear someone talking for the administration, the border is closed. The border is secure. Um, it damn sure didn't look secure to me. I literally watched four guys walk across, talk to our agents, get processed, and then they get, you know, they, they, they're in a holding cell for two days or however long it will be, and then they're, they're released until they go to their court date. So if that's a closed border, then, uh, then we got problems. It's, it's, it's really something. Why are you going to go back just to show the support to these guys that you feel need it? Well, it means something to me. I mean, I, I, um, I want to help as much as I can. I want to, I want to let people see what's really going on. If we can get more people, uh, do, doing the same thing that I'm doing and appreciate you for reaching out to me to come on your show. But if you can get more eyes down there and, and more, it's maybe people will start to realize that there really is something going on that shouldn't be happening. You never know, uh, but the more the more people who are trying to help, and I'm going to get some buddies of mine who play baseball and, and hockey to try and come down there with me, and and help lift morale. You know, I know it's not that big of a deal, but to them, they, they no. I think the agents like to know that people care and that they are that we that people do care about them and want to come see them and support them. And again, you, you said it was really sad walking through these holding areas and seeing these people kind of just in. You talk about the quote unquote cages help me visualize what those really look like. Are they, okay. are they stacked? Are they, are, are they single story? What, what are they, what do they look like? So you walk into one, one, like I'll, I'll call it a hallway. And on one side, there's three holding cells and they're probably 
30 by 30. They're good size. And, and then there's probably a 20 foot area in the middle where you, where the agents patrol and there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's, so there's probably, and this one, I'll, I'll go with the mothers and the children. This one, there was probably 60 people in this cell, maybe 50. And on the other side, same thing. And the further you get back, that's where, uh, it wasn't as many people in those cells that we didn't walk all the way to the back, but there was probably three layers of different cells and nothing, not stacked on top of each other. And in the front, there's bathrooms. There's three bathrooms on each side. And then so they can walk out of their cells and go to the restroom. They can, they take showers. I'm not sure how I saw some, um, the, the age, I was like, those children and mother just came from, the, they were dressed, obviously. They just, they, their hair was wet because they just came from the shower. I'm not sure how often they get to do that, but, and they're just sitting in the cell, like, it's clear, it's clear plexiglass. You can see into the cells. Um, but they're just laying on these, like, and their blankets are the tinfoil things you see. I'm not sure what I've never, and they're right. laying on, on a pad on the ground with the tinfoil things covering the children are, are playing with each other. But it was, uh, you know, I, you feel like you're at the zoo, honestly, because you're, you're looking at them and they're looking back at you. And it's just, it's really awkward to, because you, the, the number one, the communication barrier, you can't say much. You, you don't, I don't know how to speak Spanish. So I couldn't speak to them. But it was really, really sad and awkward to, to kind of be in that room looking at them while they're, you know, they're all, they, they see you walk in and they're looking at you as well. So it's just, it was very, very eerie and weird feeling. It strikes me as you talk about this and you being down there and, and really, I, I'm trying to let people know you were down there because I, I don't think this got enough attention with you yeah. and Nick. And yet previous, in the previous administration, uh, I know we're not supposed to say the name, right? But that's yeah. so stupid. President Trump, when he was in office and stuff was going on at the border, hordes of Democrat politicians went down there crying, screaming about children in cages and they're yeah. drinking water out of toilets and this mm -hmm. and that. And it doesn't sound to me like I haven't seen any trips from them. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I don't think she's been down there since Biden's been in office. I don't think yeah. she's really caring what happens there. And I, I I hate to make this political, but the hypocrisy of it is astonishing to me. The numbers are up dramatically. Deaths are up dramatically. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Fentanyl's coming through. We've got a real fentanyl crisis in this country of people mm -hmm. overdosing on this drug that's coming across the southern border. Yep. And I'm, I'm hearing crickets. But then once they get transported to New York or DC or Martha's oh. Vineyard, that's everyone went crazy. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I, I'm thinking, what are you saying to these border towns that they're just supposed to deal with all of this and nobody else in America is? 
It's, it's just too bad, I guess. You know, until it's in our backyard, we don't care. But it was amazing how fast those 50 migrants from Martha's Vineyard got taken out. Yeah. Like they had the National Guard. So, so I saw a post on Instagram. So that's how the government should handle it, right? For every, for every migrant, not just the 50 ones from Martha's Vineyard, right? It was just, it was, it's crazy because, you know, I saw the picture of AOC uh, uh, crying at the cages. She would be right now, if, if, even though it's uh, her guy, uh, Senator Biden is, is in office, um, she would be crying because if she, because it's worse now than it was, I would think, under the Trump administration. And there's definitely less people. There was a lot less under that administration than there are now because those cages are whole. And that's just, just at Yuma. I can't imagine at the Uvalde and some of these big crossings, you know, Del Rio, where they get, you know, 1,500, 2,000 a day in an hour, you know, and, and, and Yuma is a small crossing. So it's just, yeah, the hypocrisy is out of control. You know, they won't go down there. You know, I don't think uh, Harris has been down there once. Uh, Senator Biden hasn't been down there uh, at all that I know. Since Brian won, them zero right now. They haven't gone yet to check it out. I, I'm I'm a little chuckling at that you're calling him Senator Biden. Have you just kind of forgotten that he's president now, or are you, you choosing? Oh, I didn't forget. I, I don't forget. I just, um, yeah, um, I, you know, I don't really know who's making the decisions, so I'm not gonna, you know, maybe we should, it should be President Rice. Maybe it should be him, or still be President Obama. I, I might refer to them as President. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I did see he finally did an interview yesterday. If you want to call it that, for the first time in over five months, they actually took some questions, but they were still, they were gifted. You know, they were, they were set up. It's hard. Yeah. It's just frustrating for me to watch everything that's been going on. It's got to be for people all over Arizona and Texas. And, you know, you played your college ball at New Mexico. Mm-hmm. These, these border states dealing with the brunt of this, no one paying attention until it shows up in their backyard. And then once it does, boy, all hell breaks loose and it's yeah. unacceptable there. It, it's just astonishing to me, and I wonder if they don't see how hypocritical they are or they, they just don't care. I don't know, but this is an American issue. This is not, you know, Definitely just Democrats, is. Republicans. This is, this is, this is people losing services, losing, um, some security, losing all of this stuff because we're, we seem to be giving more attention, at least the government is giving more acceptance to people who are not citizens of this country and not really. And, you know, like you said, they give them a court date. This is the procedure, but yeah. it, it, I, something's changed. Something's yeah. changed at that border because we're seeing historical numbers. And it's, yeah. I just, I, I don't understand why people aren't paying attention. I don't understand why it's happening. I don't understand why it's okay. I, I, in, in my mind, I can't process the information why you would just let people come across our border like that. And, and everyone thinks it's okay. It's, oh, well, uh, they should all be able to come here. It's America. We, we, we want people to come. We do want people to come. I agree legally. I do not disagree, but th- there is a way to do it the right way. And yeah. I, I was told that process by, by our border patrol agents as well. There is a way to do it legally. And they respect that process. They, they're, they're like, there's a good way to get here. And, but the way it's happening right now, you know, I, I, I don't understand why. I just, I mean, I, I guess maybe that um, uh, Senator Biden is trying to give them all amnesty down, down the line. I don't know. Maybe that's his plan in the future. I just don't know why. You, there's 4 million of him across right now. There's 100,000 people that live in Yuma. 300,000 migrants have come across the border just this year. That's yeah, it's, three times it's, their population in, yeah. in nine months. 
Yeah. I don't understand it. You know, I, I, like, I, I don't either. And, and why, again, why that's acceptable or not even acknowledge the, yeah. the fact that it's going on. And, and some people just won't even acknowledge it. And I, I, I don't understand that at all. I, and I'm trying to be rational about this. I am yeah. with you. Look, I, yeah. I am the, I am the daughter of legal immigrants. You know, my, my grandparents em- emigrated here mm-hmm. legally. Legally. And I'm all about that. I, and in fact, As am I. yeah, in fact, I, you know what? I, I really feel this is a slap in the face to people who have come here, gone through the process, become American citizens, waited in line, done all the things the right way. And they've got to be looking at this saying, what? What did I do that for? How is this right? And then people being ushered out because their visas have expired, their work visas have expired. And yet they're looking and seeing all this happening and saying, well, maybe that, maybe I should just fly to Cali and, Mm -hmm. and, and walk across and, and, you know, to come back in. I just heard a story. This is terrible. But uh, two weeks ago, a doctor, Indian doctors that have been here for 20 some years, their visas just ran out. They got deported. They've been here for 20 years. Their visas were, it was some along those lines. They were both doctors. They just got deported because their visas ran out. So what they should do is just fly to Mexicali and walk back across the border and you're good to go. That, that I mean, to, and as the, let me tell you another thing. So the, the clothing that some of these people come across the border, some of the women are wearing high heel shoes. So they've literally like, and there's some that the people that actually try, you know, that walk across the desert for two or three days, they look much different, obviously, but there's people that, like I said, that fly from wherever they come from to, to Mexico City to Mexicali, and they walk 100 yards across the border, meet our agents, and they get processed. They're wearing like clothes, like like you'd be wearing. It's it's like a um, a date for them. Like they're going out to do something, and they're just coming across the border. They want to look at when they cross the border, so they're all dressed up. It's it's amazing to see that. Like I was like, I did not expect to see the clothing on some of these people that I saw in those holding cells. Brian, when you go back, we'd love to know about it. Just you know, for it's sure. it's amazing to me. It, it, the and I'm I'm so interested in the fact that this has become so important to you and is it just your sense of patriotism right and wrong what 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 do you think it is well number one it's in my backyard you know living in arizona it's right here it's right here by us we, the news does cover it down here quite a bit which is nice that we see it but i, I just i i feel for these agents and uh um, law enforcement law enforcement is very important to me i i think i don't i think they get a bad rap these days so any chance and when um, when I was approached and they said just to kind of raise the morale of the agents, I was like, sign me up. I'll go as many times as I can if it helps, you know, help these guys get a little better. But uh, we, we got a chance to speak to – I probably spoke to 80 or 90 agents that day. It was awesome. And then not, I talked to Chief Lim. He was like, well, we had some guys who were pretty upset that they didn't get a chance to meet you while they were down there. So, obviously, I'm going to go back and, and try and spend a, a couple of days there so I can meet everybody. But – uh, the stuff that they have to deal with should not be happening. They should not have to deal with these children they're finding in the desert with a, some pinned on them or to hear the stories of the rape that takes place before they come across. It's, um, I might even share some of the story, the, the gruesome stories that, that I was told by these, by these agents because it's just, you wouldn't believe it until you heard it from one of their mouths. And I'm wondering about the pushback you might expect when people find out that you hold yeah. these very strong opinions. It, it's not easy when you're an athlete yeah. and, a, and a hall I'm of an, famer. I'm an ex-athlete, so I, I really um, I got nothing to lose. You know, I've I've kind of been standing firm on my position this whole time. I'm not gonna break. I'm not gonna back down. I don't really care anymore. They, but the whole cancel thing doesn't really scare me too much. I've uh, I got my, my kids are 
are pretty strong-willed as well. So I'm not going to let that uh, affect me anymore. Um, and, and like, I, I really feel like people are starting to open their eyes a little bit. So I'm, I'm not really, definitely not going to back down now, but what, what makes me mad is when people say things or do things and then they get a little bit of, um, a little pushback and they just back down. Yeah. Uh, that, that's never been me. That's not going to be me. And a couple of years ago, they tried that with me and it, it didn't work in, in their favor. I just, I'm not going to be that guy. I think the, the more people <laughs> apologize, the worse off they are. You don't need you to apologize. You don't need to apologize when you believe something and when it's yes. a value and when you stand by it. Apologizing is what they want from you, and it's just one step closer to shutting up altogether. And that is not what this country is about. It is not no. about keeping your mouth shut and hiding from critics. It it just I, I, so I applaud that example. Doesn't doesn't Thank surprise you. me from the former defensive player of the year and defensive rookie of the year and all the, all this yeah. stuff that you did. But, um, Thank you so much for telling us all of this. And I'll look forward mm -hmm. to talking to you again. Cause I, I'd love to hear about yeah. your next trip. Thanks for having me on my show. It's good seeing you. Good to see you. He is pro football hall of famer, Brian Erlacher, unafraid. So I would encourage all of you be brave, do good and keep following us on at sideline sanity on Twitter. Well, Sideline Sanity, we are very proud to be sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals, and we're joined by Charles Thorngren, the CEO of Legacy Precious Metals. Charles, we are hearing now that this is not transitional inflation. This is not a bump in the road. This inflation is going to be here a while. What, what, does that, what does that tell you? You know, that's the scary thing. Um, I think, you know, economies and, and, and such like that, they can deal with small jars. We have a unique situation. We had a Fed that waited much too long to react to the situation, calling inflation transitory for a year when everyone knew it wasn't. But more importantly than that, coming out now saying this is going to be here. This is long term. This is not short term. We're going to have elevated rates for the long term. And why that gets really scary is that means the cost of doing business is going to be elevated for years, which means the cost of goods are going to be elevated for years, which means if companies can't make enough money, they will go out of business. This is why we, we hear some of your bigger companies are already talking about layoffs. So it's a unique situation. The Fed found themselves in a very bad place. And they reacted way too slow. And this is why we're at where we're at. So if I'm an investor, then what's why do I want gold and silver in my portfolio? What what will that do for me? You know, that, that's a great question. And that's a question we get a lot. And and really what gold and silver do, um, they act as the hedge against the dollar weakness. They act as a hedge against the other markets. And we know that the Dow and, and all of your markets, all your indices are, are, are pulling back, right? That's not the issue. It's not what's already happened. It's what's yet to come. And that's where we, we need to prepare. So depending on who you listen to and, and the research that you do, you know, there are case studies of saying expect to see another 25, 20 to 25% pullback in your equities markets based on interest rates and loans and, and the bond markets they're suffering as well. No one's going out to buy bonds knowing that they're going to be um, an increased return on them in three months. It makes no sense. 
So that leaves you in a position of what to do with your money and how to protect yourself. This is where gold and silver come in. This is why we say this is a long-term play. You buy it, you forget about it, let it do its, its job. And its job is to go up over time as the dollar gets weaker, as the purchasing power gets less, gold and silver increase. It protects that purchasing power. And that's the great thing about it. And there's your bottom line and why you need to call Legacy Precious Metals or go download their investor's guide at LegacyPreciousMetals.com. Charles, it's always good to talk to you because these are nerve-wracking times for people. You know, it, it's just the fact of the matter is, as we were told by the, the Fed chair, there's going to be some pain. So if people know that they've got something solid sitting in their investment portfolio, I think they're going to feel a little bit better, right? Absolutely. And, and we, you know, when we look at the actions that have happened just recently, I mean, the Fed has taken a very unique stance and they've done something very um, extraordinary. Three quarters of a basis points raises months in a row. That's one of the largest raises you've ever seen in the Fed through the history of the Fed. And it's not just once. One time is shocking. Here we are on the third month now. And we'll probably do another half a half a basis point next month or, or later this month, possibly even three quarters of a point. So when you look at that and you say that number is going to grow to where the Fed interest rates will be about 5%, unheard of. That means the interest rate to you and I, if that's what banks pay to borrow money, we're going to see, you know, credit cards will probably be over 28, 30% again. You're going to see home loans coming in 9, 10, possibly even 11%. And it's it's a scary time. And this is why we say, okay, know this coming. Don't be afraid. You You now are aware. So now you can protect yourself. And that's what we help people do. Don't be afraid. Prepare. Just prepare yourself. And like I say every day, I trust Legacy Precious Metals when it comes to investing in gold and silver. So go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Charles and his group can answer any and all of your questions. Charles, thank you so much. My pleasure as always. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.